Hey everyone, it's Arnold with Form Welcome. Happy Saturday, happy weekend to everybody out there listening. Hope you've had a wonderful week. Today we're sitting down with Kyungmoon Kim, and Kyungmoon Kim is the founder of KMS Imports, which imports Korean sul or Korean alcoholic beverages from Korea to the U.S., which I'm very excited about. And uh, if you've been tuning in the last few episodes. You know that I'm just really stoked about seeing more Korean beverages available here in the U.S. And even before KMS Imports, Kyungmoon had a really prolific career in the restaurant industry. Um, he actually ended up going to the CIA, Culinary Institute of America, and in his graduating class was Chef Chungshik. And if you live in New York or if you live in Korea, you may know the restaurant Chungshik. Uh, they opened in 2009 in Korea together, and then he came to New York to open in 2011. Uh, it's still there in Tribeca. It's an amazing Korean fine dining restaurant. And both locations in New York and Seoul have two Michelin stars. The Seoul location has been on the world's 50 best Asian restaurants for uh, a few years running now, I would imagine. And Kyungmoon had a really, really key part to play in bringing together and putting together a wine list, a beverage list, a beverage program for this restaurant, for a Korean fine dining restaurant, which in my opinion was the first of, uh, of its time, first of its time and first of its kind. And so in our conversation, obviously we're gonna start there, how that process was, how, how it was like to be spearheading this new Korean movement that maybe at the time he wasn't even aware of, right? So we're gonna talk about that. And then we'll also talk about, uh, Kyungmoon is actually a master sommelier with the CMS, so Court of Master Sommeliers. And so we're gonna talk about careers in wine. So if you want to get started in wine, there's two trajectories, typically speaking, that you can get uh, accredited for, right? So you have WSET, Wine and Spirits Education Trust, and then CMS, Court of Master Sommeliers. So what's the difference there? Um, and then we talk about the history of Seoul and how it predates the green bottle soju. Uh, and of course, we want to talk about his company, Canvas Imports, and the type of Seoul that he's bringing in from Korea. Um, without further ado, we're going to start our conversation now. And we're going to go back to his time in college at CIA when he first met Chungshik. When I went to CIA in 2003 uh, through 2005, uh, there, are not, there were not a lot of Korean students back then, maybe, maybe 30 uh, overall. Um, they're, they're not them. Right. So we, we, everyone really had a like, tight-knit community. Everyone knew each other and everyone pretty much hang out um, and on weekends and spend a lot of time. I mean, Chongshik, I, I wasn't really close with him in first few months. I mean, he was really active guy. He's everywhere. N never got to really catch up. But when I was in an externship, when I finished my externship, when I was going back to school and uh, we were on the same train and we talked about um, each other's uh, experience in externship and uh, about school and talking about uh, kitchen experience and I mean this guy is pretty wild and uh, he's quite dynamic and even when he was in school he he didn't really study a lot in in the states so his English was not so perfect but he 
spoke with his passion in cooking. And I don't think, I, I don't even think, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I should say this, but I don't even think he understood everything that chef taught him. But because he was so driven and he wanted to like push himself. So, I mean, even in, um, in different uh, kitchen uh, class and he was making like a family meal for the students and uh, impressing uh, chef and peers through his, uh, his own cooking. And while we were in CIA, every time whenever I see him, he's cooking something. And when he find an item that he wanted to master, he just cooks every single day until he find that to be uh, satisfied by him. So every time he cooks and he invites friends over and he just feed them the same menu every time for like a week's until he find it, uh, he, he's satisfied and he move on to the next menu. Yeah, he's, he's a really crazy guy. The reason why I, men- uh, the reason why I mentioned Chef Chongsuk is because you, you worked with him and helped open um, the Seoul location and the New York City location, right? Tell me about that experience because in my opinion, as a fellow Korean American and as someone who has, you know, who, who's in this industry as well, and we're working for a chef also who used to work for Chongsuk, it's very apparent to me that there has been a very big ripple effect that was started by you and Chef Jungshik in terms of this kind of new Korean. I don't know if that would be the most appropriate term, but definitely a new new wave of Korean restaurants opening in New York City right now. So tell me about your experience working at working with him and then also how you transition to kind of the beverage side. Right. So, I mean, just uh, rewinding back to when we were in school. So, I mean, when we met in the train, we talked about it and he said he go to Terrytown, New York, where he did a, like a one year of uh, the, the ESLs, the second language, um, a study. And the, he, his host family was one of the, the professor there. And while he was in CIA, he still go back to Terrytown like pretty much every other weekend. And he cooks for the family and uh, students there. And he invited me over to um, like a, be his, like a sous chef. Uh, in other words, he's dishwasher pretty much. So uh, we went to uh, Terrytown uh, quite a lot and I helped him uh, do preps. And he's uh, very much into a savory. And I mean, I, I just helped him out uh, picking out wines and also uh, making some desserts. So uh, we were a, a really good team uh, while we were in CIA. Um, but after CIA, I mean, he was working in the city a bit, but he had to go back to Korea, spend time. And I had to go to military uh, as a Korean male. So I was spending time in Korea. Like towards the end of uh, my service, after two years, uh, he we were in touch and he asked me to build a wine list for him. So I was in uh, military and I was... Um, just calling different uh, wine importers in Korea, getting their uh, portfolio and start building the wine list for him. And uh, after I was discharged and he asked me to join the team. So I was in charge of the, the front of the house and uh, he was in charge of the kitchen. So we opened uh, Chongshik in Seoul. It, it definitely the one that sparked a, like a new Korean or modern Korean cuisine movement. There is nothing else like it. Um, before, um, I mean, it 
immediately took off. Uh, it was quite amazing. And all the like a media uh, magazine, they all uh, praised and a lot of uh, great feedback from uh, the guest. I mean, Jungshik, I, I think he really um, consolidated all his uh, knowledge and his uh, skill he accumulated throughout into uh, this restaurant. And uh, he really uh, interpret in a whole new different way, mixing and matching with the Korean flavor with uh, more of a Western training that he had. So it was uh, uh, like so unique on its own. But uh, what really caught a lot of guests' attention was, I mean, it's a, a visual pill is so different and so unique. But when they taste it, it is so familiar. Yeah. So what I'm curious about that I want to hear, because you said it's never been done before, and I, and I agree with you in terms of Korean food executed on that level. What also hasn't been done before, you know, in, 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 in correspondence with that is there hasn't been a wine list curated for like a modern Korean restaurant, in my opinion, before before you, right? So how did you how did you go about creating this wine list? Because first of all, does wine pair well with Korean food? Is the first question. And then secondly, would be what kind of wines were you were you picking and selecting? The thing about taste is there is no right answer. Something that is delicious to you might not be so delicious for others, or vice versa. Everyone have different tastes. It's very subjective. So. I mean, ultimately, you have to find the the right balance with the food and wine together. But at the end of the day, you have to find the right wines for the right guest. So I, I like to pair uh, people with wine rather than food with the wine. Um, ultimately, you have to understand the basic fundamentals of the flavor profile of food and the preparation and how it will react in, on the palate uh, along with wine. But at the end of the day, you have to make sure that someone who's drinking and eating have to be happy. <laughs> so that's that's my philosophy. So, I mean, New York is uh, was a, definitely a whole different animal. I mean, uh, New York, the clientele, they fly out from everywhere in the world to visit and their palate is so diverse exposed to amazing uh, the world of wine along with uh, amazing food all over the world it's all in a melting pot and uh, i had to i mean create a very i mean comprehensive and diverse program that can fit in different palate and a lot of people have a sort of um, the pre-notion that Korean food is always spicy and it doesn't really go well with uh, a wine, but the the chef Chungshik's creation was elegant. However, he had a, a bold flavor. It is not as pungent or spicy like typical Korean food, um, but it has all the accents of it. So it it actually made wine pair well uh, with his food because they actually work together very nicely. Um, so it, it was quite easy. And But the hardest part was convincing guests. The other thing that I found really interesting is obviously your, your master song. And I definitely want to hear that story and experience and, and you know getting that in 2016. But um, even before that, I noticed that you, had, you have also level three from uh, Wine and Spirits, right? So what is the, what is, what is the main difference 
And do you think there's a, cause I, I got, I had this question a lot when I was at a EMP, it was like, you know, which, which pathway should we go? But it was recommended that CMS would be best for service, but what's your, what's your take on it? I took the WSET, which is the Wine and Spirits Education Trust, along with uh, the Quarter Master Sommelier course. So the the main difference, I would say, is the uh, WSET is actually more academic course. You're actually required to sit in the class, and there is a lecturer. They take you through the each region, and they teach you the regional uh, theory as well as the uh, uh, tasting so you're taking the actual wine course and it is uh, more in a broader uh, the world of wine and specific about wine the the quarter master sommelier is is the court it's not a, a educating body it is a examining body so we don't actually hold courses per se i mean we do have certain level but our ultimate goal is certifying um the sommeliers that the sommeliers are uh, uh, proficient in serving the right wine uh, to the right guest so there is uh, so in court of master sommelier there are four levels the first level introductory uh, sommelier course and the first level we teach about just basics which is over the course of a day and a half so it's really a quick crash course but it is a great introduction for um, the wine aficionado or anyone who's uh, getting the first foot in the the wine world it's a great opportunity to get a little taste of the wine world the second level the certified sommelier exam is just exam only you have to be prepared you have to have a experience in uh, the dining room floor and you have to know how to uh, work around the table and the how to taste wine and the third level the advanced level it's a much more uh, intense uh, examination but it comes with the course uh, now the course is more focused with uh, certain topics but when i took this uh, advanced course it was focused on the learning about just the whole world of wine so in five days they teach every single region and so you have to learn the Bordeaux in one hour. So you're not really learning. You have to come prepare. You're just reviewing. So I, I think you can really learn uh, well through WACT and going through a CMS simultaneously. And I think WSD can set the good fundamental ground for uh, the success of uh, getting to CMS. But what makes it uh, very different is that CMS is focused on the service aspect and uh, you have to be a sommelier uh, in order to be successful and the part of a CMS course. Right. Like on the field, on the dining room floor, as opposed to maybe W said is more for like, uh, you know, at home wine aficionados or people that appreciate it. Maybe that's right. more recommended. Yeah. I think it, uh, it covers a wider uh, range than uh, the master sommelier. So once you finished uh, WSET, you move on to uh, MW program, which is Master of Wine. And a lot of people ask about Master of Wine versus uh, Master Sommelier. Um, actually, uh, Master Sommelier branched out of Master of Wine uh, because Master of Wine program, it pretty much covers 
all wide range of wine business. So it's not just geared towards the the wine merchants, but like a wine writers and the uh, the wine brokers to wine makers. So it doesn't really uh, justify it for someone who works specifically in a hospitality field and who can really display the certain skills for the the highest level of service. So that's how the quartermaster sommelier was created to focus on the the artistry of uh, service aspect. Oh man! So the most recent thing you've done is you started your own company, KMS Imports, which I'm I'm finally excited to chat with you a little bit more about. Tell me how that came to be, because I'm sure that was obviously maybe a couple of years in the making, right? Quite a bit. I mean, the first the the moment that I found the desire or found the need for uh, the Korean spirits import was when I was at Chongshik in New York back in 2011. And at the time, the the Korean food scene was just saturated in uh, K-Town in 32nd Street and nothing else. And even at that time, um, the majority of clientels in K-Town, they are all exchange students or expats from Korea. And there is not much of uh, other exciting food and uh, a beverage scene uh, anywhere else. Uh, the Jungshu was pretty much the first who really sparked interest in the new Korean and exciting Korean food. And I was quite proud to present extensive wine lists for the guests, but many guests, as soon as they sit down, the first question was, oh, what kind of Korean beverage do you have? And really uh, struck me hard because I was spending a lot of time as a sommelier searching through different wines around the world to fit into our unique cuisine. But instinctively, a lot of guests it made more sense to have a Korean food with the Korean beverage. I, I took my time to look, search through. At the time, there's nothing but the green bottle soju. And uh, I researched and I actually contacted the breweries in Korea. And I mean, they were not really interested. It was just a one small restaurant in New York and thousands of miles away asking for the Korean spirits to be shipped over. And they're just not... Uh, buying it. So it didn't really work out. I, I couldn't really bring anything um, that's to my desire. Now it's almost 10 years has passed and you look through the transition of Korean cuisine, it really blew out of uh, K-Town. There are so many amazing, great Korean restaurants outside K-Town and there are uh, quite a few alumni of Jungshik expanding out and creating their own take on the new Korean cuisine, like uh, Atomix, Araboy, or uh, Chua, and I uh, work with those guys. And when I talk to them, they also had the same needs when they're operating the restaurant. And they said, oh, yeah, I think it would be great to have some nice Korean sur. Even after 10 years, I mean, there are many great Korean restaurants, but as far as beverage scene, it's it's a, still the same thing. The green bottle soju and just generic brands that nothing else more exciting. I mean, there are smaller uh, movements of artisan soju, but still very, very small amount. 
So I decided to take on the mission to bring uh, the unique Korean source from Korea. So I traveled to Korea uh, for a few weeks and uh, seeked out all throughout uh, Korea. And I visited the breweries and I, I decided to um, the import. And I quickly realized that it really made sense. The owners of the breweries and distillery, it's not because they didn't want to sell to New York. They didn't have any resource. And they were just, they just had a bare minimum to make their own product. They didn't have any sales managers or uh, export managers. Uh, I mean, they're just barely uh, uh, producing their own goods and they didn't know how to export or do the marketing or sales. So they're very small family breweries. It also uh, encouraged me to actually help them out to expand to the uh, outside world because the current situation in Korea, I mean, it is so saturated with uh, the big brands, uh, the green bottle soju. There are not a lot of room for these small guys to play. So by opening up the different market, uh, helping them to expand, I think uh, it will help them to succeed and continue to uh, make a great product. So that's why uh, I decided to uh, import some of the uh, good Korean uh, sur producers. And for people listening that maybe aren't Korean, how would you define sur, like the word sur? Uh, sur is just a broad category of alcoholic beverage in Korea. It's almost same as uh, sake, but a lot of people know sake as the rice wine. But in Japan, the sake is just any type of alcoholic beverage. But the most common one is uh, sake, uh, the rice wine, which they call it nihonshu. Um, but here it's just known as sake. Uh, but sur is just just general category of um, the, any alcohol. So when, you, when Koreans say, uh, let's go have sur, and most often refers to soju, which is most of Korean drinks. So, um, yeah, basically, sur is just any alcohol beverage. In terms of what you're importing currently, could you share a few bottles and producers that you have on the, on the lineup? Because they're, they're really awesome. Because of Korean sur is such a broad category, even though a lot of people know just soju, I try to expand to other types. So I'm importing a Cheongju, which is sort of equivalent to sake. So it's a brewed rice. And um, even though I say it's similar to sake, uh, but the flavor profile is so unique to Korea. Uh, a lot of sake tastes more like more refined, elegant uh, floor and fruit uh, elements is dominating. Uh, but the Cheongju that I'm importing displays a lot more savory umami, uh, almost like a, a some people say like a Parmesan cheese, or some people say like a sourdough bread. A lot of uh, savory notes, uh, flavors is dominating and much richer uh, texture and rounder flavor. And um, I think it makes more sense to have this Cheongju with the Korean food and because Korean food has a much more robust uh, flavor to it. I think it will pair much better. So I 
found a producer in Nonsan, which is in the central part of Korea. The small brewery is a third generation brewery. They founded in eight, uh, 1920. So it's their 100 year old uh, brewery. They make uh, a really nice uh, Cheongju. And that's uh, one of our highlights. And we focus a lot in soju. Uh, because it's a distilled product, uh, it is much more shelf-stable. A lot of people know soju more. But at the same time, I wanted to re-justify the true meaning of soju, really well-made artisanal uh, soju that display the craftsmanship. So I, we bring in um, like few different types of soju, um, like couple that is made by the person who holds the the intangible culture heritage of Korea. And um, the same soju, which comes in a, a 45% alcohol, which is 90 proof. A lot of soju are around uh, 20% or below or f- uh, 40 proof. So it will be a very much of surprise um, for many. But I'm definitely uh, proud to Uh, introduce uh, many different types of artisanal soju. We talked a little bit about green bottle soju, right? On, uh, on, during our conversation. So how would you compare uh, green bottle soju for, for people that don't know, like what is it? And, and tell me how, how honestly, how, how bad it is and how chemically produced it is as, and then compared to the stuff you're bringing in. So I would say green bottle soju came about in 1960s, like early 19, earlier part of 1900, uh, right after the the uh, the Japanese colonization and the Korean War. Uh, the Korea had nothing, uh, like pretty much every, everything was destructed, and Korea had to build economy from ground up, and. Korean government uh, decided to impose ban on using rice as a source of alcohol. It had to be all reserved for consumption. So even though Korea had over 2,000 years of the rice brewing in the matter of just the one incident, um, the whole, the traditional rice brewing industry is like a, a abolish it. So in 1965, uh, all the small brewery had to be closed and it was all consolidated to uh, the big companies. And those companies found uh, any means to make a really cheap alcohol. And so they used uh, like a really old uh, grain, like a, a barley or wheat, or um, they sourced tapioca, um, from Southeast Asia, whatever they can find uh, to make a cheap alcohol. So they distill down to pure ethanol to a, a 96% in the factory, and they dilute it down to 20% with the different additives, such as um, the uh, sweetening agent or a preservative to make it palatable. So there are only about like five actual factories that makes ethanols for soju making and each companies all source from the the same company all soju companies the green bottle soju companies actually buy the ethanol from one uh, factory so all the sources are same but just different packagings and different additives that makes a difference so it is 
it just killed the diversity of uh, beautiful Korean soul, and just it all came down to a different marketing, just all the uh, pretty faces on the green bottle soju uh, that makes a sale, and um, it it lost all the uh, the traditional uh, artisanship of Korean soul. Uh, in the matter of uh, the, the half century. And till now, uh, this green bottle soju really the, made the culture of uh, the Korean drinking. I hope there will be a, uh, the shift of the Korean food um, trend. And I think people will start to understand there is a beauty of the actual, the talking about the ingredients to the the fermentation process and the the beauty of uh, waiting and the, the the patience that that really yields amazing product. I mean, it seems like there has been a slight return to that artisanal craftsmanship, though, because I was in Korea just a few months ago, actually during during this pandemic, and um, it was I saw obviously first of all I saw a lot of stuff you're bringing in and. Um, especially the red monkey, which is delicious and, and beautiful in color. And uh, it was so, it's so nice to see a, a, a blooming scene of like makgeolli bars, like these craft bars that just have all the different types of food that you just explained to me. And I think that this, this generation, like my generation of, of, of Koreans or Korean Americans, like we are becoming more interested in it too. And I think we're a little we're more open-minded about that too. And uh, I don't know what your take is, but I'm very hopeful and really excited to see what comes out of this. Cause I think there's definitely a movement, right? I think that the green bottle soju sort of uh, brings um, like nostalgic memory for our father's generation and grandfather's generation. And I mean, I'm not just talking uh, down on green bottle soju, but when you actually look at the history of uh, like uh, the meat, uh, 1950s and 60s and I mean there's like nothing and people work their butt off but they barely made a little bit to bring uh, food for the table and they had to uh, get something to be buzzed to get through the day in a cheap manner you know so I mean green bottle soju totally made sense at the time but now the economy has gotten a lot better and uh, with the influx of great uh, wines around the world and uh, different high-end uh, whiskeys or cognacs, and people are exposed to uh, uh, the premium luxury uh, product. Everyone's starting to looking back on our own heritage, what we have lost for the last uh, half century. And there is so much beauty behind that. So. I think um, a lot of younger generations starting to respect the old tradition and and wants to bring back uh, the beauty of uh, our old uh, traditional uh, Korean soul. So I, I'm definitely uh, very much hopeful as well that uh, the more and more Koreans will starting to understand uh, there is actually uh, something that you can appreciate uh, of the flavor and different style of a Korean soup. I'm just seeing across the board, and it's not just like alcohol anymore, but even cars, Korean cars, right? Um, a Hyundai or a Kia. I mean, my, my brother got a Hyundai, you know, a Hyundai Sonata, the new one. It's amazing. Like the features in it is crazy. I really think just Korean products have come such a long way. I mean, I was reading, I was reading a book 
about the history of Samsung and how back in the day when they first started, it was just so bad. Like the product, it was worse than, you know, some of the things that were coming from China even. But now you look at the TVs and the appliances that Samsung makes. I mean, I'm, 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 as I'm recording this, I'm, I have a Samsung fridge in front of me. Like it's, it's crazy, you know, uh, across the board, how good Korean products have, 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 have become. But I think that the, the food industry, food and beverage industry is still a little bit behind on this. Right. But I, I think it's definitely a catching on. And it, it's, it, it's quite amazing. This uh, little country in like 60 years ago, there was nothing. And all of a sudden, it's uh, leading the, uh, the pop culture, uh, leading the uh, electronic business and the car business. It's everywhere. And in New York, I mean, definitely the Korean food scene is uh, just whole another uh, exciting new category. And I hope to make uh, this uh, Korean stew movement will be the next exciting uh, category in a spirit world. So, I mean, that will be my goal. I, I understand it's not an easy uh, you know, initiative. I'm sure there's a reason why no one's done it until, until you, because I'm sure it's a hard challenge, but I think that you are the best person fit to lead this movement, right? Given your um, experience in wine and restaurants, and I think you have a pretty good understanding of uh, consumer demand and stuff like that. So I, I'm excited to see what you do. It's, it's one thing to talk about Sue right now, but I really wanted to give you the, the time to share with us. Uh, if, if people are in New York, first of all, where can they try uh, some of the Sue you're bringing in? So, so when I was deciding to uh, import this Sue and well, actually, before, I mean, I was, um, af I mean, I've been always working in the restaurant side and over um, 10 years. And I thought I'll be in the restaurant forever. And when I gained enough experience and I decided to venture out, I wanted to open the restaurant. I mean, somehow the project sort of fell apart, but I think that gave me a wake up call and looking back on what's needed. I mean, I could open another uh, Korean restaurant, but I'll be competing with like my friends who I worked for a long time together and each has uh, their own restaurants and it will be another restaurant just competing for uh, the, the, the same guest uh, in New York. But I decided to just take a different route and actually supporting uh, those restaurants. I think that's a, a, the better way to have a better, more of a, a ecology of uh, hospitality in a way that is another Korean restaurant. They do need uh, different unique uh, Korean beverages and I'm there to uh, support that. My first vision was I'm going to bring this product and uh, my focus will be uh, bringing to uh, the Korean restaurants, uh, the, the restaurant that's in need of a unique beverage program. Last year, I went to Korea and uh, seeked out and picked many products that I wanted to bring in. And um, I finished with uh, all the, the government uh, requirement of labeling and uh, all the paperwork and ready to import. And we got our first shipment in January. So I was very excited to sell. And February comes and March, all the restaurants are closed. So it was really, really challenging for me. I still work with a lot of restaurants, 
but I have to uh, expand to a uh, retail. So some of the restaurant that work with is of course uh, Changshik. It's my my old home ground. So they're big supporter of uh, Korean food, as well as uh, uh, Changyan at Atomix and Atoboy. Those are are sort of motivator for me to bring in exciting Korean food. And uh, Jua, of course, and uh, um, my old uh, CIA friends like at uh, Jeju Noodle Bar and and uh, uh, the Kochi with uh, Songchar. I think it really branched out, you know. I mean, the, the Douglas at Jeju worked with uh, Jay at No One. Uh, no One, Chef Jay, he's super excited to uh, bring in uh, this unique Korean spirits and they're doing really, really well. For the anyone who's looking for uh, this product in retails um, in New York, uh, the Whiskey and Wine of 69, they do carry a wide range of our product. The Warehouse uh, Wine and Spirits in uh, near NYU, they have a, a great selection as well. So uh, we're, we're continuing to expand in a retail level, but I really want to work with uh, the restaurant side because I kind of vision that if this product just sit in the retail shelf, I don't think it will be uh, the hot sale item. I think if you if you walk into a retail shelf and all you see is a big brands and something that is easy to uh, recognize brand or the certain brand that you're comfortable with, I think you're going there to buy it. Uh, but if you're in a restaurant, if you're in like uh, let's say uh, Atomics or Changshik, and if you're enjoying a unique uh, cuisine and you are intrigued in the beverage program as well, and if you have uh, the perfect food and the perfect beverage in a uh, the, the right atmosphere, I think the experience that can be created is much greater than anything else. So I truly believe in uh, the impact of um, the restaurant side uh, for this product to be featured. Yeah, and I think because it's a fairly new product, right? It's it's important to have that kind of interaction or conversation or even dialogue with someone that can explain it, uh, the history like you did to me, and 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 what it is, right? I think if it sits on a retail shelf, that that that's going to be challenging. For if so, if you're not in New York, is there is there a way to try to outside of outside of New York State? Do you do anything? Um, direct deliveries or anything like that? I know alcohol is a little trickier, but... Right. I mean, I'm an uh, importer, uh, distributor, so uh, I am not able to sell direct to consumers. Uh, we are definitely looking into expanding out to different states uh, like California. and But currently, the warehouse wine and spirits does ship to the limited um, number of states, uh, out of states, so you can find um, and make an order in where uh, wine, uh, warehouse wine and spirits. I believe they do ship to California. Awesome, that's great. That's good to hear. I'm definitely gonna have to put an order as soon as you get get off this call. But I appreciate you chatting with me and explaining to me what you're doing. And I, I'm, you know, as a as a Korean, as a fellow Korean American, I I'm just really excited about this. I think it, it's it's been a long time coming, right? And I really want to see it more readily available, and I hope that people get more interested in, in, in this kind of alcohol. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. That's all we have for you today. But 
As we end here, I just wanted to reference um, Kyungmoon's website, his Instagram, and all that fun stuff. So his website is rudysoul.com. So I'll spell it for you. W-O-O-R-I-S-O-U-L.com. And if you go on the website, you can learn a little bit more about his company. There's a section where to find, which actually lists all the restaurants and retailers where you can find the Korean Sioux that he's bringing in. I just want to preface and say that the restaurant list that he has or, or the restaurants that he's in is actually a really great list, uh, reference list. If you want to check out Korean restaurants in New York City, and if you've been tuning into this podcast, you know I've been raving about just the uh, amazing, wonderful additions of Korean restaurants in, in the last few years. This is it. This is the list. I mean, Ottoboy, Ottomix is on here. Uh, Hanjan, her name is Han. Inza, Jeju Noodle Bar, Cheongshik, Chua, Gochi, Mak Bar, Mogyo, Norito, No One, Oiji, On, Reception Bar, Sugil. I mean, this is this is it. So really cool list if you wanna if you wanna look at that. And then on Instagram, it's gonna be Woody Soul. So again, Woody Soul underscore NYC. I'll put these on the episode description as well, so that'll be easier for you to reference to. But if you've made it all the way to the end, really appreciate you tuning in and I'll see you next time. This has been Arnold with Warm Welcome. Thank you. Bye.